Well, um, if you would, turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you're using one of our Bibles, it's on page 811. As we prayed this morning and uh, thought uh, together, we've already mentioned a couple times our vision. And in our vision 2020 for our church, we want to be a praying, uh, praying church. That's the first point in our vision. And in some ways, it's a foundational point for, for um, that which we want to see accomplished in our midst in the next six years. And... Um, uh, it's not the only thing that's going on, but in terms of where we are as a church and where we sense the Lord leading us, it's really the first step and a, and a fundamental step in that way. And so um, in the month of uh, January, I'll be preaching about uh, prayer. And then uh, we have a special prayer weekend in February, in the second weekend in February, and where Daniel Henderson will be with us and, and we'll have a special emphasis there. For many people, um, when we talk about prayer, that it's kind of intimidating. Um, if for some people, or maybe for all of us, we, need, we know that we need to grow in prayer. I've never met anyone that says, yeah, prayer, that prayer thing, I've got that down. Yeah, I'm moving on to something else. It seems like no matter where we are in our Christian life, whether we were just believed in Jesus yesterday and became born again yesterday, or whether that was 40 years ago, all of us sense that we have a desire to grow in our ability to pray and in our prayer life. Prayer is simple. We just talk to God. It's natural. And yet we also find ourselves challenged in it. Because as we grow, we sense uh, that God is leading us forward in prayer. So that our prayers are not just about us, but they're about other people. And our prayers are about what God wants to do uh, in, our, in our church and in our community and in our world. And so... It's a journey that, ne that doesn't end until we get to heaven. So I'd like to just encourage us uh, this month to, to um, throw off our intimidation and just learn from Jesus. Let's go to Jesus and have him teach us to pray. And I think we can do that with real confidence because he, he wants to teach us to pray. Amen? It's not like we're going to go to the Lord and, say, and twist his arm and convince him of the need for us to pray and just force him against his will to teach us to pray. He wants to teach us to pray. So let's go to him uh, with that attitude. Well, we're in Matthew 6, okay? And in Matthew 6, beginning at verse 5, we're going to look at a passage here and then we're going to jump to a place also in, in Luke. Matthew 6 is in the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching his disciples, but there's also many other people there. And in the midst of his teaching, he gets to the topic of prayer. That's there in, uh, in verse 5. And let me begin reading there. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites... For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And, and when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I'm going to stop right there for the moment. You'll notice that Jesus begins his teaching on prayer with two negative examples. He starts off by saying, this is what prayer is not. And he gives two, two examples here. Uh, you see, first of all, in verse 5 and verse 6, <clears throat> he's, he's speaking about the fact that some people use prayer as a way of seeking attention from others. No, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5 there where it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. And then there's a little word that comes there. It's the word that. So he's saying, this is the purpose. They're standing, they're doing a certain thing, but why are they doing it? There's a purpose in their heart for it. And, and, and he follows, he says, that they may be seen by others. He's, he's saying to us here that, that this is not what prayer is. Prayer is not about what other people think of me. Prayer is not about seeking attention from other people. And he says here that he makes the point then in verse 6 that personal prayer is now very, very important. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying in, a, in contrast to these hypocrites who, are, who, who what they're thinking about in prayer is what are other people thinking of me. Their, their, their focus is about the other people. You, he says, Jesus is saying to us, you get some time, just you and God by yourself. And, and that's what prayer is about, is about what God is thinking. Prayer is about his attention, not the attention of people. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't pray together. This doesn't mean that praying among and with other people is not important. As a matter of fact, he switches from talking about the personal prayer and then he starts talking about prayer as a group. So prayer as a group is, is very important. But what he's making a point about here is, that, is our motivation and the mindset. The focus in prayer is on God and not on people. It's about what God is hearing, not what people are hearing. Amen? Okay, second negative uh, example that Jesus talks about is in verse 7. I'm going to read 7 and 8 again. It says, And when you pray, <clears throat> do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles or like the nations do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, before you ask him. In some translations, English translations of the Bible, that, that phrase there where it says empty phrases, it says don't, don't heap up empty phrases. It uses the words meaningless repetition. That's, that's the idea. That there's this repetition of words and there's the idea that they're empty. It's really empty. The people who are doing it perhaps think it's not empty, but, but it's actually empty. I remember, remember one time when my wife and I were in uh, East Africa. We had lived there for a little while um, and were trying to learn the language on our own. And then it came time for us to get some formal instruction and we went to a language school. And uh, this language school for Swahili, it had people from all different 
places in the world. All different kinds of people. We weren't all Christians. We were just there at this language. So for one reason or another, people had jobs or whatever in the country. And, and uh, we were all there to learn Swahili. I remember it was uh, on the campus of a um, secondary school that was a residential secondary school. Kind of like a co- we would think of a college. There were dormitories. And it was a big campus. And one night, as the sun had set, so it was, it, there was a little bit of light yet, uh, so it was dusk, I was heading across the campus trying to get back to the, our room, our dorm room. And I was walking by the soccer field, and uh, there was a line of trees between where I was walking and the soccer field. So I couldn't see the soccer field, I knew it was there, but I could hear what was going on in the soccer field. And I just heard this interesting noise uh, uh, or it was someone's t- two people's two men's voices and it was just this rhythm to it and this 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 repetition and it was I'm like what what I'm trying to figure out what's going on so I used my hunting skills and snuck around in the woods and they didn't see me, you know, but I came around there and, I'm, and I watched. And there were these two, two men that were walking the length of the football field. They turn around and they walk back. They turn around and they walk back over and over, 100 yards each way. And they're repeating the same prayer together. Staccato, machine gun-like. No way you could be thinking about the meaning of the words. You're just repeating this one. And as I, as I watched them in the, in the bushes, I felt sorry for them. And, I, and my mind went to this verse. That Jesus was saying, this is not prayer. This is not what prayer is, where you just repeat lots of words. God is not manipulated by our words or the amount of our words. And, and actually what he's saying is, is God actually in, in his being, he's not resistant to blessing us and answering us. <laughs> Why all the words? Because he says here, he, he knows what you need before you ask him. He cares for you. So he's given us two examples of what prayer isn't. It's not about what other people are thinking of me and it's not about repeating lots of words to God and trying to, trying to twist his arm. But now he then begins to give us his, some major lessons. And I want to show you four major lessons from Jesus on how to pray. One is here in Matthew 6 and then we'll, for the other three we'll switch over to a passage in Luke. Now you notice then he begins in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And then some, there's some manuscripts that include there also, um, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, 
Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So he begins, look up in verse 9 again. He says, pray then like this. And we know from what he just said previously about repeated, meaningless repetition, that, he, that this is meant primarily as a model. This is a model of how to pray. We can pray the very words. We actually can do that. But, but as we do that, we don't want to miss the point of what Jesus is saying. And, the, and, the, and what he's saying is this is a pattern. This is a pattern to follow. And so actually, these four major lessons about prayer from Jesus that I want to share with you, I'm going to have one word for each. And the first word is pattern. Pattern. Follow this model when you pray. Now, I do want to say this again, though. I do believe that praying the words of Scripture back to God is powerful. And that's one of the reasons he's given us the Scripture. And we can go to places in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, and we take them and we can pray the very words back to God. It's like he's given us Holy Spirit-inspired words to pray. So this, that's awesome. I'm not saying there, that we don't do that. We do that. And we can pray these very words. I... Um, I just looked at the clock. I think I have time to tell you a story. One of the times when we were in Tanzania, I was traveling uh, with, with Tanzanians. Uh, my wife wasn't with me at that time. We had gone into the city of Dar es Salaam. And in those days, there was a... Uh, well, we were staying with a Tanzanian pastor, so we were in his house. We had traveled with no car, just on public transportation, and got there. And, uh, and conditions were... were not luxurious. It, our, our dear brother didn't have much, but what he had, he shared with us. And we were in his little house, and and in that cramped city, this this third world packed city, there were churches around the city, and there were also mosques. And in that neighborhood, there was a mosque that had a a radical imam. Not all the imams are radical, but this one was. And it came time for when he was speaking, and, the, and with the loudspeakers, he began his rhetoric, which began to stir up people. It was very interesting to be in, that, in the house there, and you could hear it coming through the windows, and, and you could feel the agitation, and you could watch people in the, in, in the street on foot getting agitated, and there was just this, this spirit of... Um, agitation and and it was scary it wasn't like I was going to walk outside the door and say yo I'm a Christian I mean it was just it, you were it was, you were starting to get actually a little bit afraid well the pastor we were all we were all there and it, we had eaten and then it was time for family prayers and family reading of the scripture and he said there was probably about 20 of us that packed into this little room his little house and this wasn't special. This, this was what they did on any day. He said, let's pray. And as if it was a signal, nobody told me. We, everyone just got on our knees. We got on our knees. And in Swahili, we said, as this noise is going on and the agitation, we said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And, Lord, 
You forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And deliver and, and lead us not into temptation, Lord, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I got to tell you something. I was praying. And we were praying. And it was super meaningful to take the very words of the Lord's Prayer and to pray them. Amen? I'll never forget that. I'm not going to forget that the rest of my life. But, nevertheless, the main point of this teaching of Christ is not that we take these very words all the time and repeat them. We can. But that the point is, this is a model. Pray like this. This is the way, this is the way you pray. Let's follow this model when you pray. And what I want to show you this morning real quickly is that there are four parts to the pattern. And I'm going to use the words that, to describe these four parts from Daniel Henderson, who will be with us in February, Lord willing. The first part is reverence. And I'm going to start them all with the same letter so you can remember it. Reverence. Reverence. Our Father, look at verse 9, in heaven, hallowed be your name. The, the pattern in prayers, you begin with worship. You begin by worshiping him. You begin by thanking him, by praising him for who he is. Hallowed means holy. Holy are you. You begin in prayer. When you have time, you start in your praying with worship. But after worship comes response. Look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another word for response is submission. It could involve confession of our sins. As we look up to God and worship him for who he is, it reminds us of who we are and, and our shortcomings and we can confess our sins to him. But it also means a submission. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Your will be done, not my will. So we begin with reverence and then response of submission. And then we have our requests. Look at verse 11 and 12. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We ask him for things. And notice that there are two categories of requests here. One is for resources. Look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Resources, or in other words, provision. Please give me what I need. I'm sensing a need, Lord. Please give that to me. And then there are relationships. Verse 12. People sin against us. <laughs> And we sin against them, and that all needs to be right. So resources and relationships are prayed about. And then after our requests, then there's readiness. Because we're not going to just stay at home and pray. We're going to be going out into the world. Amen? We're not just sitting around by ourselves. We're not spending all our time in church. We're going out into the world every day. And so readiness to be a part of what God is doing out there. And it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're praying for him to make us ready to be what he wants us to be in the world. So here's the pattern. It's reverence, response, request, readiness. 
And then with those last verses, which um, traditionally have been recognized as being part of the original scripture, but some of the manuscripts uh, uh, disagree about that. That's why, like in, in our Bible, it's in, a, it's in a footnote. But it ends, and it's surely biblical for this thought, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It comes back up to reverence. So reverence, response, request, readiness, and end in worship. If you can, remember those four when you pray. And don't get uptight about it. What was the second one? (laughs) Don't get uptight about it. But just go to God. And when you have time, maybe in the morning or in the evening, whenever is your time to read in the scripture and pray, just remember these four and, and, and pray in that way. And then if you get caught up and you're not quite sure what those four are, there's a simplified version and it's just this. Worship first and ask second. Amen? He is worthy. We are needy. He is worthy. We are needy. He is worthy. I am needy. Lord, I worship you. I praise you for who you are. Maybe you've read something in the scripture. It says here you're faithful. Oh, you have been so faithful. You use the word to help you pray. And then, then you. And worship. And then you ask. Then you ask. So, first of all, first major lesson has to do with the pattern and this is we are to follow the model when we pray but now I want you to turn to Luke for the next three lessons I want you, and we're going to go through these quickly there's Luke chapter 11 Luke chapter 11 verse beginning in verse 1 this is on page 869 it says in verse one. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. They, the disciples were walking around with Jesus, and they saw him pray. They were watching him pray. And his example provoked from them a, a response, that, teach me to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord. Examples of prayer are important. I heard the story of a, uh, of a grandmother who uh, had invited some folks over for dinner one night. She wasn't feeling real well as she was preparing. She was feeling a bit overwhelmed and her grandkids were around helping her. And finally, all the hustle and bustle was over and they got all the food on the table and everyone sat around the table and the, the, the kind of worn out grandmother looked over at her little six-year-old granddaughter, Susie, and said, Susie, would you pray for us? Let's pray for the meal. Susie gets all wide-eyed and looks at everybody around the table and says, Grandma, I I don't know how to pray. She said, Susie, you've heard me pray before. You just pray like I pray. She said, okay. Oh, Lord, why in the world did we invite these people over for dinner tonight? (laughs) Amen. Yeah, so we learned. Fortunately, the disciples had a better example. Uh, although that wasn't such a bad example. She was being honest before the Lord, and that, that counts. But here are the disciples, and they are, they're, looking, they're looking now to Jesus, and they're saying, teach us to pray. And by the way, Luke 11 is about a year after Matthew 6, okay? If you, it's not the same occurrence. This is about a year later, and we find Jesus telling them the same thing. Look at verse 2 to 4. He said to him, when you pray... 
say, Father, hallowed be your name. Now this is compressed. It's a little bit of a compressed version, but you see all four pieces. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. The same pattern he gives them. They were slow learners. He's like, I didn't change my mind. It's the same thing. You want to learn how to pray? Okay, this. But then he adds three really important lessons here. And the first one, well, so this is our second lesson. And we see it here is, hang on to the word perseverance. Perseverance. Answers to prayer don't always come immediately. Look at verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, that's great translation, and it could be his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. What Jesus is telling us is that sometimes it sounds like God is saying no. It sounds like you're getting a no. Uh, the, the friend is knocking on the door. They didn't have cell phones back then. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't. So, so a guy, someone unexpectedly arrives at your house. You bring them in. You want to show them hospitality, but you don't have the food. But you know, oh, my buddy over there does. In the middle of the night, he go, you go over there and knock on the door. Hey, give me some of your bread. I'll pay you back. But I got, a, I got an unexpected visitor. And he says, go away. We're all in bed. I've got to crawl over all my kids to get to the door. Forget it. Talk to you tomorrow. Sometimes that's how it seems when we're praying. Don't take the story too far. Jesus is not saying that's how God is. And you'll see that in just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. But that's sometimes how it can seem to us. And when we're praying about something and we don't see the answer... That second part of the pattern, remember that. It's very important. First one is reverence. Second is what? It's response, which means submission. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Sometimes we're not submitting to the Lord. um, And and he's withholding the answer until something happens in our hearts. And we begin to surrender to. These things that are so dear to us and these ideas of ours that we think, oh, this must be God's will. Well, maybe it's not. But as, as we get a no answer, just remember, no means knock. Just keep knocking. And as you keep knocking, God works in you. It's very interesting. Right before this passage in the end of chapter 10 is the story of Martha. And Mary, and, and um, in verse 39, see Martha's worried because she's, she's all busy and she's mad at her sister Mary because she's just with the Lord. But it says, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Friends, as we, as we are praying about something that we're not seeing the answer to, stay at the Lord's feet and let him teach you listen to his teaching and as he as you stay there and as he keeps talking to you 
That's where progress is made. And that is part of prayer. One of our problems is that we think of prayer as an event. Prayer is a process. Prayer is a conversation. So when I begin to pray about a certain thing, it might not be till months later that God has done what he's needed to do in my heart and my prayers have changed and, and, and turned around now. And months later, I'm still praying about the same issue, but I'm praying differently now than I was. And God says, now, now he opens the door and the answer comes. Amen? Perseverance. Answers to prayer don't always come immediately. And then there's promise. Look at verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You see, there's this great promise. Prayer is meant for answers. That's what prayer is, is about. Prayer is meant for answers. As we commune with God, he answers our prayers. Sometimes our unanswered prayer discourages us. Our own desires, perhaps, that we don't see getting fulfilled by God, maybe they've kept us from listening to him. To, as We're not doing what Mary did. We're not sitting at his feet and listening. We're sitting at his feet and talking. <laughs> Lord, give me this. Why won't you do this? And he's waiting for you to keep praying, but to settle down so that he can say something to you that you're not hearing. We need to submit. Sometimes we just give up, and so we don't see answers to our, our prayers. But delayed answers to prayer can be discouraging because of who we are. Sometimes uh, we, we get confused about our own theology. Someone once said, why would I pray if God is sovereign? If God is sovereign and in control, why would I pray? I like the one guy's answer. Why would I pray if he wasn't? Enough said about that. The promise that Jesus gives us in prayer is, prayer is meant for answers. Prayer is meant for answers. And then he gives us one final teaching here. And I had to come up with a word that started with a P. So here it is. Predisposition. That's not so great, but it works. Predisposition. The Father heart of God wants to bless us. Verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God's Father heart, He is predisposed, if I can say it that way. He, his heart is, I want to bless you. Prayer is not about convincing Him to bless us against His will. Prayer is about communing with him and, and lining ourselves up with him and speaking with him and walking with him and bringing our requests to him with submissive hearts and watching him answer as he knows is best for us. But his father heart, he loves us. 
I'm going to try to tell this story. It's always dangerous to tell stories about your own kids when you're a preacher. So I, I try to be careful about that. So I'm going to say this in the plural so you don't know whether it was a boy or a girl. But um, after our kids were, they're young adults now. So this story t took place uh, as they were young adults. But it was one of those occasions where one of them had had uh, done something wrong and, and felt the need to come and ask my forgiveness. And in the midst of it, as we're talking, I'm asking their forgiveness too. And actually, th this particular occasion, it was kind of intense. So that there were tears on both sides. Tears, they're crying, I'm crying, but it's all, it's all good. And then the other one, my child said, oh, I said, I, I, through my tears, I said, you know, I, I love you. I, I love you so much. And they said, well, because they're feeling bad at the moment, they said, I, I don't deserve it. And I, I said to them, I said, no, I hope one day you get to be a parent. Because then you'll know what I mean with what I'm going to try to tell you right now. But your love, my love for you is, it has nothing to do with deserving you don't deserve my love, and you can't undeserve my love. When you were born, you didn't exist, and then you were born, and there I was holding you in my hands like this, overwhelmed with what I felt within my own soul. I didn't even know you could feel like that. I didn't even know that this love was possible. I didn't know where it came from. I was overwhelmed with what I felt for you as I held you. You little hours old baby, minutes old baby. You had done nothing to earn my love. You can't unearn my love. I love you as a father. And that's how God loves us. You don't deserve it. You don't undeserve it. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. Oh, friends, friends, there's much we need to learn about prayer. But one thing we, that Jesus is trying to help us see is, yeah, but the Father heart of God is, I love you. Now, some of us have problems because we had bad fathers. And actually, none of us had perfect fathers. Um, so all of our fathers are defective in one way or another, but some fathers are actually really bad some fathers were absent. They abandoned their kids. Some, some fathers abused their children. And, and this is a problem because now if you're one of those kids, you, you hear about the father heart of God, but in your experience, that, that father wasn't so great. And, and, and I understand. So what you do is you just go to God and you tell him that. Say, I'm having trouble with this. You say it's a father heart of God. Will you be my father and teach me you show me your father heart and you put your, your memories into me to replace the bad memories. And let God do it in your life. He will do it. It might take a long time or in some cases God just chooses to do it immediately. But, but he will do that. And you'll look up to God and call him your father and you will rejoice. Four major lessons from Jesus on how to pray. There's a pattern, perseverance, promise, and predisposition. And we just need to go to God and go to the Lord and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray and let him take us in that journey. Um, but let's pray 
Our Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've taught us here. And we thank you, Father, for the pattern that you've given us through your Son. Help us to learn from that. We thank you, Father, for what you do in our lives as you make us persevere in prayer, as you withhold and wait to answer as things are happening in our own lives. Lord, give us the perseverance we need and the faith to keep praying. And Father, we thank you for your promise that prayer is meant for answers. It really, really is. And thank you for your heart that is predisposed to bless us. Oh, Lord God, as we grow in prayer, help us to take these four lessons from the Lord Jesus and put them in our lives. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.